1: And thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikeyou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikeyou.com. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another edition of at Home, I'm Tracy Koga. It is April, so April showers bring May flowers and it's all about transformation. From transforming our city here in Winnipeg to a non-racist one, what would that look like? To hearing one incredible journey that a woman has taken from the depths of addiction and mental health issues to become the State Director for peer support and mental health and wellness. But first, you're going to want to listen to this interview very carefully, especially if you're a business owner, whether it's from two employees to 2,000, Sonia Funk and Sylvia Marusek have a new theory, Sir Thrival of the Fittest, that will help you navigate through all of the turbulence that we've been going through to the smooth sailing towards success. There is the old saying, survival of the fittest, but this conversation is going to take a new twist on it, and we have the experts here. So I want to welcome to at Home Sonia Funk and Sylvia Marusik, and I guess, ladies, the stage is yours, <laughs> 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 but you know what? I guess for for me and, and for all of us that don't know you, uh, let's take a moment and talk about yourselves, and then how the two of you came together. That's always a good story.
0: Yeah, it is. Sylvia, why don't you start and then I'll I'll, I'll jump in.
2: (laughs) Perfect. So I'm Sylvia Marusic. I'm an international activational speaker on health and well-being, but an occupational therapist by training. So, you know, 20 20 years ago, I started doing some professional speaking um, in the clinic that I was working in and discovered that I had an incredible passion uh, and, and maybe a calling for um, really focusing on prevention in, in what I speak about and easing suffering. And so that's what I do and I love it. I'm so grateful that I get to do this for a living. Aww. And Sonia?
0: So I am by trade, a nutritional therapist I have evolved, like Sylvia, felt a a similar calling. I've evolved into an employee wellness analyst and strategist, which I could be the first person to call themselves that, but that is literally what I I do for companies. And then, of course, I do the the corporate speaking on mental health and food and nutrition and, and all those kinds of things. And when you're in the world of nutrition, of course, your focus is on the prevention side of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think Sylvia and I both had this path that navigated to stress as the foundational thing that people really need to understand, to understand the ramifications of it everywhere and everything, and to really understand how much it costs—not just com- like money for companies, but our personal lives and, and our souls, really. Yeah. So we're really united on that. The wow. story of how we met is is interesting too, if Sylvia wants to tell it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: May may I, Tracy? Yes, you may. (laughs) I used to have a radio show on CJOB, and it was called Happy Hour with Sylvia. And because I had done that for for a long time, um, I was able to fill in on very short notice for other show hosts when they needed someone to fill in. So I was filling in for one of the afternoon show hosts, and the show was already set because I had gotten this very short notice. And Sonia was one of my guests that I got to interview, and I just fell in love with her. And she reached out to me afterwards to thank me for the interview. And I said, I need to, we need to spend some time together. And now here we are, that's four years later. We just knew that we had to combine our 50 collective years of work in health and wellness mm-hmm. to bring this new project to life, to birth this new project, which is, it's just absolutely going to be critical because of the time that we're living in. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. Okay. So let's get right into it. Uh, It is called Sir Thrival of the Fittest. And uh, I'm going to like, again, Sonia and Sylvia, fill us in on, on how this is going to be so important for employers, for employees, and for anybody that is involved in business and the, the general workplace?
2: I'm going to let Sonia answer this, but I just want to preface what she's going to say with a couple of really frightening statistics from before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before the pandemic, stress leaves in Canada were costing over $50 billion a year Wow, to companies and businesses. And we think that's a gross underestimation of what it was. We also know that based on the largest studies of the Canadian workforce done by Linda Duxbury, that the number one stressor that Canadians were reporting was work tied with finances. So when we look at the stuff that Sonia and I are about to describe and share with you, doing this for corporate business in the workplace makes so much sense on so many levels And that's where the safety is most impacted. So I'm gonna let Sonia take it away and describe this magical, amazing program that we've put together. Okay,
0: so (laughs) clearly clearly we have a problem. And so Sylvia and I sat down as the pandemic was going down, I think it was kind of April, May when we were chatting last year. We knew all of this information already. We looked at what was coming, how long it was gonna last and what would happen. When it it ended and the collapse that was imminent in the physiology of our bodies, which then plays out into the emotion and the psychology and obviously the the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. It's this thing of separating work and and personal life never really was a thing we tried in the 80s. People's dogs, kids and alien parents come with them to work every day. So we (laughs) we have to look at it that way, right? And the pandemic is now coming with them to work every day or at home every day. So we realized we had to take, like Sylvia said before, our collective knowledge and experience, because we both done stuff around the world, Mm -hmm. and throw it together and find a strategy for recovery. And then recovery becomes a prevention for a future collapse that could come. So we took the term surthrival, which I think it does exist in other places. I had coined it earlier that spring when I had my own personal stress recovery that was going on. It's this land between surviving and thriving. That we don't know that you need to navigate and heal and find balance to really make it back into thriving and to also understand it well enough so that when things don't go well again, because our lives are still going to go on, the Mm -hmm. stuff that was happening before is still going to happen, to navigate it, know the ropes so that when life does hit you again, even after this pandemic and you've recovered, you know how to get back there instead of sliding back into survival mode. Because a lot of us have equated, I'll, I'll let somebody go to a second, a lot of us have equated this coping and survival
2: as thriving and forgotten that we can actually feel better. I um, was just going to hop on that because that's what happens when we are surviving and we have a couple of really good days or we've been eating a little better and not kind of craving the junk food or we've been a little more active, getting, getting a little bit of sunshine, we go, oh, I'm thriving again. And then all it takes is the smallest thing to send you back to feeling like you just want to shut the doors and make the whole world stop. That's not thriving. That's dipping your toe into the pond of what maybe used to feel really good. What we want to do is get you to the point where even when bad things happen, and bad things do, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the beginning of COVID, completely blown away by that. I'm the healthiest person I know. But the whole idea of thriving is not that bad things don't happen, but that you navigate them so differently and that you thrive in spite of those things. Mm -hmm. And so that's possible. And that is how we want to help people because what we know about this pandemic is post-pandemic, whatever that means, we're going to see unprecedented numbers of depression, anxiety, suicide, PTSD, like we've never seen before, if we don't
1: do something now, yeah. So it's interesting. Then um, it sounds, and I've and I've read, you know, some of the information. It sounds so logical. But how do you really get and connect with the corporate people that probably have no idea? Uh, you know, they might have like, you know, hundred employees or twenty employees. But you know, how do you get the communication started? on something so important?
0: So what, what we have done is we have, we both worked in corporate wellness mm-hmm. already. So we know some of the ropes, we know the struggles, we know the disconnections that can be there. Sorry, my dog is trying to practically get on my lap right now. This is, this is <laughs> if COVID hadn't happened, this wouldn't be happening right now. Okay, <laughs> I mean,
1: and he's really cute. going oh, so in the conversation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so what, what we knew was that what we could do is take our, our existing knowledge of how corporate wellness is structured right now and do our best with how that vehicle works at the moment Mm -hmm. and create. So we've created a stress recovery navigation system to help that evolve. Okay. So it doesn't have to change right away. We're working with how it's done now, but we're bringing all -hmm. of these tools and resources and common sense and cutting edge research and all of the things into a very back to basics way Mm -hmm. To make it accessible to everybody. And we've set this up and I guess you want the details on this thing work system we're actually talking (laughs) about, but we've set it up so that any company, you've got ten employees, you've got ten thousand employees, you can access the basics of this program for your
1: employees. Wow. Right. So this will be offered then online and anybody will have access to it and like or do they actually will you actually be coming in and doing presentations and working with the company.
0: I'll let Sylvia talk about that.
2: We are so dying to be in companies. Like I can't even tell you how much I want to be back in the room. Eye to eye feeling the energy of people and watching people transform in their own way of thinking. However, we can't do that yet. But what we do do is we have a number of products that I'll let, um, um Sonia described but what we do do is we do come in Mm -hmm. virtually and provide the basic presentation that's kind of the foundation for some of the other programs and we we can absolutely do that and then we have things that we can deliver virtually because what we don't want is for our teaching to be lost because Mm -hmm. we've done our presentation and we never come back Mm -hmm. we have sustainability build in and what we know about thriving and about a stress recovery program is that it takes intention it takes consistency and it takes sustainability so we actually build relationships with companies so we are your people Mm -hmm. and you can count on us to continue to guide your company through the transition the goal is to really help the culture evolve and as Sonia said because of the way we're making it available, you know, some of these big programs are just financially out of reach for the small companies. Mm-hmm. We've got a completely different way of delivering this so that companies of all sizes have access. Sonia, did you want to touch on the, the things that we're offering uh, and that are in the works?
0: So on, on the platform level, the, the basic platform will be a video delivery. There's a video platform that's being built right now. Every company will have, it's kind of like the framework of all of it will come video. Some companies will have the option later on to bring us in live as an additional thing, but we're building the video platform and some live Q&As that are just part of the program that every company can access because 10 companies with 50 People each is 500 people, 500 person company. So we're, we're scaling the fees that way mm-hmm. so that everyone can access it. To be honest, the, the smaller companies, what they're paying is just going to be paying cost. We won't have a profit built into that. Like we're going to share the, the costs that way. So that's kind of how the platform is going to work. And then there's options for all kinds of extras because some, some of the bigger companies will want to pay the keynote fee. They're going to want to have that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we're making it really flexible. But everything that we do is strategically taught and organized in a successive way with all of the current edge leading research stuff that takes 10 years to get into the mainstream.
2: Wow. They're
0: going to get that in an accessible, understandable way right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's lots of options. So when Sylvia said, uh, tell, asking me to describe the things, <laughs> the products that we have so far is Sir of the Fittest just the presentation it can be 45 minutes it can be a day-long workshop it can be an executive retreat we've, we've got all that mapped out then we're doing something called the 21 days of balance which is like a mini wellness program where we cover a lot of the basics and we make wellness terminology not scary so by the time you're done that Neuroscience and nervous system will just come out of your mouth if your <laughs> employees mouth, and everyone will know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about the different sides. Are you in your parasympathetic nervous system or in your sympathetic nervous system? And which triggers of stress are you feeling right now in changing the language? And then, of course, we have a full year long. Wow. Which will evolve into year two and year three, tailored to what companies need. But that year long is really Structured strategically around the one on one work that Sylvia and I have done with the counseling and the therapy Mm -hmm. on how a human that is stressed out and sick needs to navigate recovery. Mm -hmm. So there's just a couple of entry points in the year where companies can hop on because you need to know certain things Mm -hmm. and certain language so that the language in the office changes so that people start talking about it. There's an extra video each month for the leaders, this is what to expect. Like we are pulling out all the stocks <laughs> and it's going to be accessible for anyone. And really, I mean Sylvia would probably agree if she wants to comment on this. This follows our our training, mm-hmm. our professional experience and our personal lives, all the stuff that we've used to navigate these things that our clients have used. And for some reason, wellness programs have never been comprehensive or strategic like this. They don't follow a person's timeline and what they need and how much they can or cannot do at one time.
2: And what we know is that you can't just give everyone a walking program or smoothies once a month and hope to actually impact their wellness. We're not saying those things aren't great. They are really great, but you have to have a really strategic focus. Mm-hmm. And Sonia and I do an analysis of what's actually going on in the company. What's the what's the drug usage? What's the benefit, benefits usage? How much absenteeism? How many accidents is are there? And we look at all of that information, and I spend a lot of time talking to employees and interviewing employees to get a, a sense of what is needed and things are customized within the framework we've developed. Wow. Sorry, Tracy, I think no. you wanted to say something there, and I just no. kept talking.
1: No, I mean, because we never thought of this, like, you know, five, ten years ago or anything like that, and it's slowly coming to this, and even before COVID and even without this pandemic, I think that, you know, things were heading to a, a really bad place. I think now, because being Forced in isolation, and and we're all kind of in this together. Um, I hate always saying that, but I think now I think people are more open, um, and I think something like this is so valuable. Like, I'm learning more about what this all is, and I because I hear it all the time. Um, I just want to ask we've talked before, women in, in this age, in our age bracket have lost their jobs or have quit their jobs because of the pandemic, having to become caregivers and and school teachers and whatnot. And it is a scary thing that this generation will skip because jobs have been lost and whether or not um, all the women come back. Um, The workplace for women has really changed. So do you see what you're doing going to or help women in the workplace more? Um, make... Sorry. Is that something? Yeah, absolutely, Tracy, but here's the
2: other thing is our big picture mm-hmm. is that this will evolve into community wellness. Mm-hmm. And And so what we what we envision, and Sonia's already done some of this work and she can speak to it in more detail, but what we envision is that what is happening in workplaces will eventually be allowed to include their families and their family members and their children. And we will be able to provide eventually more community wellness programs. Sonia, did That's you want great. to hop onto that one?
0: Sure. This has been my, my baby of a vision for, for quite some time. I've, I've always had this theory that strategic employee wellness could very easily translate into community wellness. So in, in this situation that we're building here, You can see that if enough companies in a geographical location were in this program onto stress recovery and the program will be set up so that there are things for kids and there are Mm -hmm. things for spouses. Because when I go in and do strategy meetings, I always say, well, if 70% of your employees are men, what are you doing to engage the women who make a lot of the wellness choices in the family? Mm -hmm. Do they have access to what you're giving to the, the men? And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. And do you know how much their kids are going to cost you over the next 10 years? Do you have any wellness targeted at that? They go, no. So we're doing all of that in this year. It would take forever to explain it a whole no, year or two. No. <laughs> but, but that's
1: wonderful. Sorry? No, no, but that is, that is wonderful. And I think that is the end game is yeah. community health and wellness, uh, because yes. that's how we're going to get to become a thriving community. And there's just so much toxic toxicity, everywhere, um, you know, the racism, um, you know, all of these things that I've, I've just sort of come up to the surface because people are talking about them more. Um, I guess just sort of wrap things up. This is so wonderful. Um, you know, is there a timeline? Is this launched? Or can businesses contact you? <laughs> or Yes. <laughs> And how can yeah, it...
2: if you want to start with a presentation, we can absolutely start with that. Our year-long program will be available probably September. Okay. Um, but we got to get in and start doing some preliminary work with you anyways and kind of get people's heads in the game about what this new way mm-hmm. of looking at stress recovery is. A lot of people don't even take the time to consider whether they're stressed or not because it's their normal mm-hmm. Yeah, and we got to get and out of it. what we want to show you is this is not normal. No, yeah. no.
1: Probably, probably
0: good to say, like what Sylvia just said, preliminary work with us. It's unlikely that a company that doesn't know us is going to hop on the year long. Mm-hmm. That's why we've structured it. Our presentation, that the actual stress recovery presentation can be done now. And then it can be a longer workshop a little later on. The 21 days of balance will be ready in a couple months. Mm -hmm. So that's like a little mini sample. And then we're thinking realistically, we could probably have it ready sooner, but realistically September to start the year long. So there's a a nice lead up and Sylvia and I have all of our other topics that will be available. But I think we should mention that for that first year of the year long, we're going to be looking for pilot companies Mm -hmm. to do that year. And they will get a lot more bang for their buck that year (laughs) because we'll be asking for feedback and giving Mm -hmm. them some freebies in return, so to speak.
1: Well, everybody loves freebies, but no, I would love like a follow-up. Yes. I mean, to actually talk to a company that has worked with you and, you know, hopefully seen some value. And I definitely, they should be able to see value. And uh, it's just so important to take care of yourself and, if you're an employer, to take care of your employees. So thank you so much, Sonia and and Sylvia. This is fascinating. So I, I the invitation is open, ladies. And, uh, you know, if you need me to give you some names for pilot companies, <laughs> I'll be glad thank to you. help. For
2: sure. Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much. And uh, definitely, Sir Thrival of the Fittest will be something that, well, hopefully will be a household name. So, thank you so much, Sonia and Sylvia. Thank you. Thank you,
2: so
3: much. Thank you Tracy. Girl, you know what's up.
1: back to Hugh at Home. Coming up, we'll have a wonderful little video by Just TV. They're a great organization that gives voice to young people. And their video is all about eliminating hate. They were part of the Anti-Racism Week here in Winnipeg with the big slogan, What Would Our City Look Like Without Racism? But now, we have another episode of Let's Get Our Human Back with Robin Priest, and Robin's guest is Rosalind Hayes. She's an amazing woman with an incredible story that taught Robin and I a few things about life. Welcome to another edition of Let's Get Our Human Back Again with your host, Robin Priest, and, well, Robin, it's kind of a treat. We've got someone from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> I was like, woohoo! hoo <laughs> uh, No, and uh, let's just say that um, we have a state director of peer support, I guess, as our special guest. So, Robin, take it away. A little bit about hey. this wonderful guest that you brought today.
3: Hey everyone uh yeah welcome to uh, like talking about getting our human back again and as i'm always saying this is our chance the world has given us a chance to slow down enough and take a look at what's super important to look at being with people rather than being busy all the time and running around just actually taking a moment to to sit and be and truly be in conversation and I'm super excited because I don't get to talk to Roz Hayes very often, uh, and every time I do, like, it's soul food. And uh, I just I wanted to bring Roz on to talk a little bit about her story because she just amazes me with what she's come through and and what she's doing now and the like inspiration and hope she gives to everyone she works with. So Roz, tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: You're down there in the warm weather. Uh, yes, thank you. First, just thank you for for the opportunity to be here with you. Um, and just a, a little bit about me. Um, I'll start with, you know, my upbringing. I grew up in, you know, I started out with two parents, um, you know, in a house. Middle class, you know, everything, you know, at least from the outside looking in appeared to be, you know, pretty quote unquote normal, whatever that is. Um, And I guess it really was because, you know, what is normal? Um, I grew up, I had, you know, everything that I needed. I had most of what I wanted and things were good. Um, But for me personally, I always felt a little different you know, um, and I always, you see, I smile all the time, and the smile is something that I've had since before I even had teeth, and um, (laughs) the thing about the smile that I learned is that as long as you're smiling, people assume that you're happy, and that everything is going well for you, and they don't even ask, you know, they just look, they make an assumption, and they keep moving, and so, you know, my story isn't so different from so many others where there were things, you know, that happened in my household and things that happened to me as a child that shouldn't happen to children. Um, and you know, out of that, I kind of just retreated back a little bit more, you know, and, and, and allow this smile just to kind of keep me safe in a way, you know, it kept people off of me. Um, and so, You know out of experiencing some of the trauma that i did as a child i very early on got connected with drugs and alcohol you know um and i think i got into that kind of innocently too i mean no one plans on you know having addiction take over their life um but that's what happened for me you know and and you know in the beginning It started with, you know, holidays and, you know, you get my parents would give me a little bit of wine. Everybody's having wine. So here, kid, you can have a little bit of wine, too. It's a special occasion, you know. And then, you know, my father, you know, he drank beer and, you know, we had a refrigerator out in the garage. So it was easy to sneak in that refrigerator. Nobody could see you. And grab one little pony bottles of beer or whatever. And it just kind of snowballed from there, um, you know, and progressed from one thing to the next from, you know, sipping and sneaking alcohol to, you know, trying a little bit of marijuana and then on to heavier um, drugs. And and that was the really the thing that, that just kind of tore my life apart, you know, by the time... I went to college, Um, I was at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and, you know, things really internally started to kind of just come apart for me, and just looking for the place that I belonged and looking where I fit, you know, I kind of gravitated to those folks that were, you know, doing the fun stuff, and, you know, it was during that time, I was between my sophomore and junior year in college when I got introduced to... um, crack cocaine. And, and that just blew my world apart. And for, you know, the next 30 years, 20, 20, 25 years, it was an off and on, in and out of treatment, in and out of hospitals, you know, trying to figure out how to put my life back together and, and you know, identify who I actually was, you know, because I felt like just not really being comfortable in my own skin was the thing, you know, and I always had that feeling um, and people liked me, but I always had this belief in the back of my mind that if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. And so it was always about trying to keep up this kind of persona um, that kept people around, um, even though inside, I still felt a huge disconnect. And, you know, it, it again, took several years of, of, treatment and, you know, different things, you know, Um, and finally, and it's, it's cliche, you know, it's a cliche, but you hear people say you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, you know, that's true. You know, it it was hard, you know, living on the street, being being homeless is is not easy. You know, thankfully, it's not as cold where, you you know, where I am as it is where you are, because that would make it a lot harder. But, you know, still, there's some cold nights out there, you know, and there's a lot of fear. You know, I can remember staying up all night just walking because I was afraid to lay down. I was afraid to go to sleep because I felt like if I went to sleep, something really bad would happen to me. Somebody would attack me or something would happen to me, you know, if I went to sleep. And so I would just stay up and walk for hours and hours and hours. Um, And so eventually, you know, I found myself yet another uh, treatment setting. And, you know, it was during that time that someone introduced me to peer support. They told me I was working. I was working at a thrift store. Um, and one of the customers, she actually would bring peers into the thrift store to shop and things. And she, you know, somehow, you know, you, you kind of know your tribe when you see them, you know, and, and she was like, she just started having conversation with me and, and she would come back and, you know, make it a point to talk to me. And through that, she introduced me to the certified peer specialist project here in Georgia into an organization called the Georgia mental health consumer network. And, you know, I was blown away. I was like, you mean to tell me that there is this work that somebody will pay me for my experiences, for all the things that I'd been so ashamed of, you know, the things I didn't want to tell anybody. Now you're telling me this stuff that I thought was just like the worst part of my life has value and this can actually benefit someone else. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, sign me up. And so I took the training um, and it was, it was pretty uh, transformative, you know, um, just to have such a different perspective, but really, you know, at the core of peer support is connection, you know, and, and folks and acceptance, you know, um, and that's, that's what we all want that's what we all need we all want to find that place where we belong and and you know where you know no matter what it's okay you know and and folks can understand and they can say oh me too you know they can really understand um because of so much of of been there done that kind of thing you know and the judgment is set aside and and you know there's true desire just to support you in doing better and support you in finding out like what is going to make you happy and and you know what it what it means to you to have a full meaningful life and 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 you know you just have people that are cheering for you and you know pulling you along and pushing you from the back and just folks want to see you succeed and it was just you know something that i knew i just wanted to be a part of it's like okay this is this is for me and i went to work in 2000 and 10 for the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network. I started working at um, their peer support wellness and respite centers. Um, And I started there as a part-time employee. And within, I don't know, within the first month, I got a full-time position. And then, like, within my first year and a half, I got promoted to assistant director of that center. And as things expanded for us, um, I got lots of opportunities just to try out different things and to find out, you know, what I was good at. Um, and as our program expanded, you know, we went from one to five. And unfortunately, you know, because of funding during COVID time, we lost some money, so we're back to four. But we opened four centers across the state of Georgia, and and as that happened. Or when that happened, I got promoted to be the statewide director for our peer support, wellness and respite centers. Um, and so it, it, it's it been it's been a wonderful journey. It really has. Um, and since then, um, you know, they're like, okay, well, statewide director, that doesn't really capture all that you do because I I got my fingers in lots of things. And one of the things that I love to do and that Rob has given me opportunity to do, um, is facilitation. I love to, uh, facilitate trainings. And so I get to do a lot of that. Um, and so now they're like okay we're going to give you a new title you're just going to be the director of peer support i'm like wow you know and so it it just keeps getting better and better you know recovery is is a gift and the people that i've gotten to meet along the way that have just you know been on my side and 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 you know are are always there you know if all i need to do is make a phone call and, and there's somebody there on the other end of the line and you know i have opportunity to be that for others i have opportunity to be the person you know that they can call you know um and i get to see so many lives just changed and people find hope and they find you know like i said they find their tribe and, and and they get to like participate in life you know, instead of kind of being a, 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 a spectator on the sidelines and feeling like I have nothing to offer, people get to find their their value and their worth and share it with the world. And, and it, it's a beautiful thing. So I just, you know, count my blessings every day, um, even through COVID. You know, I haven't. My life is still good, you know. Um, and so I, I just, you know, kind of hold on to that gratitude. So that's my story.
1: No. Wow. Robin, I think between you and uh, Roz, <laughs> you're going to save the world. <laughs> that, that's our plan. I, I that's think our so. Wicked plan. <laughs> mm. So, the, the relationship between the two of you, how did you meet Robin?
3: Uh, I, I met. Roz at a conference, a conference in the US where there was, I don't know, 500 people who all identified as having mental health issues. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm with my tribe. And uh, I, uh, I was running a session and, and met Roz afterwards. And then we uh, we just had this instant, oh, this feels cool. And so, yeah, Roz. And so, like uh, we we were doing some workshops and training people to deliver this workshop called Peer Zone, and Ros got connected with me with that. And I I went to Georgia and I ran training, and then I got to speak at the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network Conference. Six hundred people from around um, Georgia, all with their own experience of mental health, coming together and sharing their experiences, their stories, how they got through it. And it, it, it just, I get goosebumps even talking about that. And Roz and I uh, just stayed connected because it, it feels like she's my peeps. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think so. Um, Roz,
1: for you, how are things in Georgia? And talking about mental health, I mean, yes, we're, In this pandemic, COVID, no one could have ever have even ever thought that we'd be living like this. How has that had an effect in Georgia? I think,
4: think, you know, Georgia is not different when it comes to, you know, the impact of COVID just exacerbating things that, you know, were already there,
5: Mm -hmm. Um,
4: adding, you know, stress on top of people's already, you know, sometimes difficult and stressful lives. we have at the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network, you know, much like we're doing now, we were able to convert things over to, uh, you know, Zoom mm-hmm. and different virtual platforms to be able to continue to connect with folks and and to be able to support folks in their wellness. Um, I will say that, you know, um, staying on top of, you know, systems and, and staying vigilant when it comes to support for folks who experience mental health challenges is it it, it's an ongoing thing and like right now what i see in the state you know is is a huge focus on you know the opioid crisis and of course that needs attention but you know we hear the conversation about how COVID is impacting people's mental health but we won't necessarily see the money coming to support services. And in fact, you know, in the state of Georgia, unfortunately, you know, we're doing some backward movement where, you know, some money is being taken away from peer support services and, you know, put into hospital beds. Um, And and that's just very disheartening. But, you know, we, we remain hopeful and we continue to fight, you know, because everybody has a right to, you know, find their definition of recovery. And everybody has a right to, or or at least to me, um, they have the right to participate fully in their lives and not be restricted and, and, you know, um, kind of boxed in. And so, you know, the work that we do in peer support is just so important to be able to get that message of hope and recovery out and to show, you know, the power of lived experience. Again, you know, I get where you're coming from. You know, and I can tell you that, you know, that doesn't have to be all that there is for you. You know, there's so much more. Um, and, you know, we, we're here to kind of walk alongside each other as we, you know, figure out what it is that we want and where we want to go.
2: Wow.
1: And I kind of think, too, and this, I guess, goes to both Robin and uh, Roz, that peer support workers, they or the peer support worker could be that one person, right, that changes the life. Of someone living with either mental, you know, health challenges or addictions, uh, or, or was that true for you, Roz? Or was was there w- one person that you that, can say?
4: Yeah, I mean, there there were several people, but the one person who introduced me to all of this. <laughs> You know, she changed my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. I hadn't heard of peer support. You know, I was working again, working in the thrift store, making minimum wage. Um, And it was so, it was like, you know, the first job I ever had when I was, say, 19 years old. Here I am at the age 40, and I'm making the exact same amount of money that I was making when I was 19, you know, um. Thankfully, that's not the case anymore. But yeah, there was this one person that took that interest and took that extra, you know, minute to talk to me and to say, "I see you," you know, and 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 I know who you are. And you know, she shared some things with me. And like I said, she continued to show up. She brought me the Certified Peer Specialist Manual, you know, <laughs> um, and and just that part of my journey was really amazing because you know, it, it's it's remarkable sometimes how when you set out on a journey everything that you need kind of shows up when you need it you know um and and that was the way that it went for me and and it continues to happen that way you know robin forgot to tell you that when we first met um at the conference in memphis you know when i first saw her she was in an elvis uh (laughs) in an elvis costume on stage in front of everybody i'm like this is somebody that's fearless you know
1: (laughs) where is suit you should have this on you should be wearing this on every episode what are you thinking robin i just
3: uh i rented it i was the mc at this conference and i was in memphis and it's like i have to be elvis i've got the
2: i've
1: got that down pat and to think that these people were taking you seriously (laughs) what can i say what can i say well I think what I've learned from this is the importance of peer support um, for anybody that is struggling and the opportunity, more opportunities too, for people to share their stories. Uh, I want to thank you, Roz, for sharing your story and wow, and it, I just going to say, girl power, all the way, girl power, yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
4: Thank well, you. Thank
1: you so um, much. Um, and then thank you to Robin for making this connection. And, uh, you know, we just got to get the word out. Maybe we should start our own convention, virtual convention.
2: Yeah.
1: Peer support workers from around the world.
2: I'm, I'm
3: good to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, good. Your next, on your next episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Roz. It was a pleasure meeting you. And Stay in thank touch. You.
4: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: And thank you, Robin. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks,
4: Rose. Thank you, Rob.
5: Winnipegers should not be defined by the color of their skin, the language they speak, nor the religion they choose to follow. Winnipeggers are united by our differences, our resilience to overcome challenges together, and the ability to endure our harsh winters and celebrate our sunny beautiful summers. Winnipeggers show a willingness to help and invest in our communities and to help our fellow neighbors in need. Look around and see the wonderful diversity our city has to offer, we embrace our diversity and know it makes our home a better place. We strive for inclusion rather than exclusion, but we have challenges to overcome. Back in 2015, Winnipeg was labeled the most racist city in Canada, and as Winnipeggers, we know that this isn't acceptable. We are making progress, but much still needs to be done. Our road to change lies with us, and our generation was more capable, more hopeful, more careful, and more caring. Qualities of which are crucial to reverse that stigma and generate a new headline, Winnipeg, the most inclusive city in Canada. Well, whenever I have heard the stigmas or still hear the stigmas around my personal ethnicity, I tend to, well, not all the time, but I believe in some of the stigmas and it makes me feel less of a person
1: I think it has a negative impact on
4: their upbringing um, starting from when they're born until they're around their adolescent age where they're able to make their own choices. A safe place for me is with my friends and with my family. They always make me feel really loved and it doesn't matter where you come from when you're with them. It's just a place that's full of love.
0: My safe place where racism does not exist is where I call a place home or my community.
5: There has also been a few after-school programs I've been to, and I feel safe around them because they're more accepting compared to normal places. And I was able to find my voice in those places.
4: One of the biggest challenges, it's not the people, it's the idea. The idea of racism exists. I think racism is taught within. I don't think that um, somebody just wakes up one day and they're like, "Oh, I'm racist." I think it starts um, right from the household that they're in.
5: I feel that we can eliminate racism the same way we've established racism. We've educated people on racism, but at the same time, we can educate people on not being racist.
0: For example, we have to kind of teach about a lot about racism in high schools or younger age in elementaries. Um, so it should be that like kind of like mandatory and having like different rules in the city.
5: But because there's more of us, I feel like the process is going to go by faster. It'll go by way faster if we all be an example.
4: I think that Winnipeg without racism would be one of the most beautiful places on earth because there's so many different cultures and experiences from throughout the world who, that we would be able to experience in our own city. No, Winnipeg is the center of all of this because cultures from all over are in this one city alone.
5: Just be kind to each other and don't forget to smile. Let's,
4: Let's eliminate hate and make Winnipeg feel, feel like home to all.
1: special thank you to just tv for that great video and also thank you to all of our guests on today's show and we'll leave you with this question what would you like to see done to make winnipeg a non-racist city we want to know so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on facebook and instagram at ilikehugh but for now stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next time on at home
2: for listening. This has been a production of i like Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you.